Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. So I'm on the side over there, and Johnny's going to be preaching today, but he's not, I don't want him talking yet. But uh, Johnny said, I'm supposed to preach today. Don't take up my time when I walked up to the stage. But I said, I haven't been here in two weeks, so I got a lot in me. I got to get out of me. But uh, no, I'm really excited about what you're going to hear and what God's put on Johnny's heart in this series called This Is Us. And we're going to introduce some of his team in just a second. I want to thank Johnny's dad, John, for being here, John Sr. He gives me these. He watches our service online. He said, Pastor. His nickname's the Mad Troll, so you'll know who he is when you see him out in the lobby after church. But you say hi to him, just salt of the earth, great, great guy. Um, he watches our service online. He mailed, sent to me handkerchiefs. He said, your sweat is very distracting when you're watching online. That's my brother taking care of me right there. So I wanted to make sure I you know, was well represented there. And then we're really, really glad... Uh, Dave's son-in-law, Colonel Howdy, is back in town. So glad. We prayed for him as a church. We prayed for him as a church when he was doing missions uh, over in Saudi. Where was it? Say it again. Qatar. And we prayed for him. And I know he watched his wife a couple weeks ago when she spoke. But we're really glad you're in town today. An honorable man serving our country. God bless you, my friend. We're glad you're with your family. So... We're in this really, we're in this series uh, called This Is Us. This is the last week. Uh, next week, we're starting, a, we're starting our summer series uh, that I'm really, really excited about. We're going to be going through the book of 1 John. Uh, it's going to be great. It's called Summer Playlist, Summer of Love. And I hope you'll be here for that. And if you're out of town next weekend with the holiday, you please make sure you watch online and stay connected to the church this summer. We need each other, church. Tell somebody you're sitting next to you, I need you. Okay, we need we need to communion. We need to fellowship. We need to be an encouragement to one another, and that's what we're here to do today. When I was at the conference this week, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, so relax. I see you pacing over there. The conference speaker told the the men that were at this meeting. He said the most important thing that's going to happen at this conference is not what's on the stage. It's the fellowship that's going to take place all throughout the meeting, and I believe that that's true here. We talk about that. The, 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 the conversations that happen before church, after church, and even lunchtime are just as important as what we want to talk about to you this morning. So let me stop talking, introduce my son-in-law. This is our youth pastor, Johnny Papero. He's going to continue and close the series called This Is Us. We're going to bring up a couple of his students that are going to share some testimonies this morning. So I'm going to introduce the first one, and then Johnny, you can take care of that. Ladies and gentlemen, say hi to Emma. Would you do that this morning? Okay, so Johnny gave us five questions to answer, so that's what we're going to (laughs) do. So my name's Emma, and I go to Richardson High School. Um, I started coming to crew last May, and he asked us, what is something you enjoy about church and or the crew? And I said, I enjoy, wait. (laughs) 
What I enjoy about this church and the crew is that I found my forever family. I know if I need anyone, Johnny and Christina are one call away. Also, that the people in this church are so friendly and so easy to get along with. Like how past, I like how Pastor Ed's sermons just seek in like it's just Jesus talking through him. And then he asked us, how have you changed slash grown while attending the crew? I said, I have changed by really finding myself and finding true happiness in myself. When I started coming was right after my grandma had passed away. And this church really helped me because it made me feel closer to her. And I know she's proud of me right now. And in August, my great grandpa and great uncle passed away. And this church really helped me go through that. Everyone was there for me, just one call away if I needed it. This church has helped me get closer in my relationship with God and has helped me find my purpose. And he, the last question is, how have you found purpose because of Warehouse Church slash the crew? I said, I have found my purpose by putting my all into this church and fixing my relationship with God. I found my purpose by starting to read the Bible with the help of Johnny and Christina pushing me. <laughs> and I know more about Jesus and what he has in store for me in my future. Uh, good morning, church. Um, my name is Aaron, and I go to Richardson High School. In case y'all didn't know, um, <laughs> in case y'all didn't know, I graduate next Sunday on the day of the Lord. So, um, um, I found purpose in this church because I have somebody who never gave up on me, which is Johnny. Um, Not yet. I, I walked into church. I walked into church thinking I was just the coolest man alive, and I cussed Johnny out, and even with cussing Johnny out, he's always been there, and he, and he worked on me, and he, he helped me find my purpose, and he helped me uh, lead, how do you say, he helped me find my path with God, and I love this church because I walked in here, and everybody just, they, they acted like they was my family already, so I love y'all guys, and none of this would be possible without y'all. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, there's two of our students. Emma helps out every single week with our kids and our kids' ministry. She's heavily involved. Aaron helps me every Wednesday setting up. Um, as Pastor Ed said, we are in this series called This Is Us, and I'm going to start this morning by reading a lot of verses from Daniel chapter 3. I'm glad to be here. Um, if you don't recognize me, first, it's probably because usually I'm in, uh, I don't know, some sort of camp outfit or a pirate outfit, hanging out in a kid's area, um, and I have a good time teaching the kids there, growing, and uh, man, it is exciting to be back there. I leave every week with pure sweat in my clothes, I promise you, and I want to thank you guys. We are a month away from our 6th through 12th grade camp. That is coming up. So I want to thank you guys for your sacrifice and your giving. We are going to be making one last push. This month, we want to send a couple more students. We want to get transportation. So we're going to be calling on you guys for some, for some help. I've never sent a kid to camp who didn't enjoy it, who didn't love it. Parent, if you hear me and your kid is in 6th to 12th grade, parent them and then come into camp. Please, we are going to have a good time. I promise you it's only 40 minutes away. That is it, 40 minutes away. We have a good time. 
So I want to thank you guys for that. This is Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 4. Excuse me. Then the herald loudly pro proclaimed, nations of people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the horn, uh, flute, and all the other instruments, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship him will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as uh, they heard the sound of all the instruments, all the nations of people of every language fell down and worshipped this image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the king, may the king live forever. Your majesty had issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all the instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever doesn't fall down and worship it is going to be thrown into the fire. But there were some of these guys whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned these three men. So these three men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my golds or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of all the instruments playing, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image that I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, and I want to circle in on this. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. For if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. For he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was pretty mad, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than normal and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the furnace. So these men were wearing all their clothes and were bound and were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and uh, said to his advisors, Wait a minute, weren't there three men tied up thrown into that fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. Whatever you say, yes, sir, I'm not trying to get thrown in too. Feel me? And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, shouted to these three men, servant of the Most High God, come out of there. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Now, for the past, I don't know, year maybe, I've been, this idea of purpose has just been percolating in my mind, and I I've been obsessing over it, trying to study it more, what does it mean, the meaning of purpose behind it, and things like that. And I've been going down different avenues, right? And it really, some of it stemmed from my little girl, Rosie, she's a bruiser, okay? 
she'll knock you right over. But we were at the park one day, and she fell down, and she got hurt. And as a parent, I'm running over like, oh, let me pick this little girl up. Whatever you want, I'll buy it for you right now. It don't matter, right? That's what I'm saying. But she gets up and looks at me and dusts herself off and says, Dad, like with her aunt, Dad, don't worry about it. Jesus will heal it. Right? And it started going through my mind a little bit for two days. And as I was thinking about the Bible tells us that we should have a childlike faith. And I feel like sometimes as we get older and we encounter life a little bit, it's almost like we lose this majestic feeling or mystery of what faith really is. It's like you're watching a Christmas movie and you know how they're like, well, grown-ups don't believe in Santa Claus. Any. Like, you're grown up now. Life has already taken you. Or like Peter Pan or something. Like, it's been going on in my mind that like as as we go through life, we almost forget this encounter of that we should have this childlike faith in that we're on this earth for a reason or that we need to be reminded of who we are and what our duties are on this earth that we are built by design, that we're crafted for a calling. God wired us for work. God made you with purpose in mind. And the reason I can communicate this with confidence is because I eavesdropped on a conversation between God and a gentleman named Jeremiah. And God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you, listen now, before I formed you, I knew you. God says, I knew everything about you before you even discovered it was there. I knew you'd hate Mondays. I knew you. I knew you'd be cranky without coffee. I knew that. I knew your mistakes before you made them, and I knew your missteps before you took them. So whenever we begin to communicate to our creator how unqualified we think we are, God, I can't do that. How are you going to call me? You know what his response is? You think I don't know that already? But God doesn't choose us because of. He chooses us in spite of. Listen now, and purpose is God's preference for us. It's what he prefers to do. It's what he wants to do. He's willing to part red seas to make that happen. He's willing to knock down Jericho walls to make that happen. He's, he's willing to make a raven feed a prophet to make that happen. Now, people feed birds. Birds don't feed people. But when God's determined to do something in your life, he'll even make something act inconsistent with his nature just to get it to you. It's his preference for us. But listen, in order for God's preference, and we talk to our students about this, to become our experience, it requires our participation. Now, I'm going to say it again. In order for God's preference to become our experience, it requires our participation. It's not enough for God just to want it for me. I have to want it for myself. Isn't that one of the things Jesus even asked? One man, before he healed him, he said, do you want to be made well? And this expression of purpose comes out in our life through this word we're familiar with, and it's called faith. And maybe that's one of the reasons the psalmist says God gives us the desires of our heart. Because maybe one way of looking at that is God gives my heart desires. Because he knows it's not enough for him to just want it. 
I have to want it for myself. So the more he starts putting his hand on my life, my heart starts wanting for me what he wants for me. And it comes out as faith. Faith is the bridge that gets you from where you are to where you could be. Faith is the transportation system that gets you from the wilderness to Canaan land. Faith. And today, as we're in a series, This Is Us, we're going to be talking about purposeful faith. And in Daniel chapter 3, we see this interesting example, I got 19 minutes, of purposeful faith. <laughs> here, contextually, what's beginning to happen here, listen, God's people are going through a season of significant loss. They've been conquered by a country called Babylon. And here's what's interesting about Babylon. When Babylon would conquer a country, their practice was to strip that country of its culture, of everything. And it's a powerful picture <coughs> of our enemy and the one Jesus describes to us as the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy those aren't three different ways of saying the same thing. Listen, those are three different things that the enemy does. He steals, he kills, and destroys. It's a, it's a, I want you to get this because Paul says if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, he gets an advantage over us. He doesn't just want to destroy and kill, he wants to steal. And sometimes we survive seasons and we're celebrating our survival. God brought me through. Mm. God brought me over. You feel me? God made a way. And sometimes the enemy is sitting back, observing our activities like, I didn't send that to kill you. I sent that to steal. You survived, but your optimism didn't. You survived, but your hope didn't. You survived, but your dreams didn't. The enemy doesn't just want to kill, he wants to steal. And that's what made him so frustrated with Job, because he kept taking stuff, but he couldn't take what he really wanted. And that's why he's so mad at some of us, because no matter what he takes, he can't take the things he really wants. What does he want, Johnny? He wants your commitment to God, and we need to make a decision in life as followers of Jesus, whether I go in the fire or outside the fire, I'm rocking with God. The Bible says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You want to give the devil a nervous breakdown? The next time you're going through something, praise God anyway. Because you want my praise. And the Satan gets mad, but I won't let you have it, Satan. Because you're coming after me, but you really want my praise. So you're coming after my health but I can't let you have it. And you're coming after my family, but you ain't going to get my praise. And you're coming after my job, but I won't let you have it. Mm. So they would conquer a country. And they would strip you of everything. They would strip you of your name. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are Hebrew names. Or, or, or not Hebrew names, excuse me. They're Babylonian names. Because that's what the devil does in the middle of a season of loss. He wants to label you. So you're going through loss and you survive the loss 
and you make it through, but, but you lose your identity and you come out with identity crisis. Because listen to this, people can only use people who don't know through the, who they are. He wants to label you in a loss. We lose our identity. We start lowering standards. We get labeled not good enough, not smart enough, not strong enough, not pretty enough. He labeled through loss. And they tried to take everything, including, listen to this, their faith, their religion, their faith. They build this huge idolatrous statue and they say, everybody got to bow down to this statue. And these three Hebrew boys who are now working for the Babylonian kingdom are faced with the threat of abandoning their faith, listen to this, or suffering the punishment of being thrown into a furnace blazing with fire. And they refuse to do so when they're called before Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king now. And Nebuchadnezzar says, now listen, I'm going to give you boys one more opportunity. And we read their response together at the beginning of this message. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, now listen, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Now, I don't even got a bow to that. Because I'm so convinced, we're so convinced, that we don't need to convince you to make us feel better about what we convinced about. No need to defend ourselves in this matter. We don't need you to believe it, King, for me to believe it. In other words, we being nice. Now listen, for they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now please don't miss this because up on first reading this reads like a contradiction. They say God is able and he will. But when you read the story, I want you to see what happens. When you read the story, they didn't say, this might make you uncomfortable, they didn't say he will deliver us from the fire. Read the text. It just says, he will deliver us from your hand. But verse 18, here is some purposeful faith. But even if he does not. See, that's another level of faith right there. Because in verse, in verse 17, they're saying God is willing and God is able. But in verse 18, they're saying, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. See, purposeful faith, because purposeful faith is a faith that is stubborn, unyielding, unbending, unmoving, and fireproof. Purposeful faith is a fireproof faith. Johnny, why do you say that? Because as soon as the Hebrew boys make this amazing statement, King ain't having nothing. They get thrown right in the fire. He wasn't even hearing it. Now listen, I'm thinking, you make a stand like that, God got to come through for me right now. You feel me? God, I'm standing for you, for God I live, for God I die. Well, you getting ready to die. Hold on, Jesus. Hold on, Jesus. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. 
They go in the fire. Which I think we need to pause for this because fire represents a number of different things within the Bible. But one of the things it represents is it represents challenges. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as something strange is happening. Peter says, when the fire of life is coming at you, stop always thinking it's strange. Peter says, don't think this is strange. He's teaching us something about the gospel. The gospel isn't just the gospel of avoidance. Listen, yes, there are some things in the Bible that we should avoid. The Passover story is about avoidance. Yes, the Red Sea is about avoidance. The Jericho walls are about avoidance. But yes, the gospel is not just the gospel of avoidance. The gospel is also a gospel of overcoming, meaning there are certain things you and I don't avoid, but we can overcome. Bring it back into the story, Johnny. So even if we can't avoid the fire, we will still overcome your majesty's hand. So here's my question to you. Do you have purposeful faith? Because that's faith that survives fire. I mean, I know you came out, but did you bring your faith with you? We're talking about purposeful faith. Come on, let's just humanize these three guys for a minute. They got to be in that fiery furnace like, man, I got me into a pickle. Jesus ain't just something else. <laughs> now, I took a stand for you, so I should be avoiding circumstances like this. Come on, let's humanize them. Not that I, they would have wished it up on anybody else, but they got to be thinking, now, out of everybody this could have happened to, how could you let this happen to me. I don't want it to happen to anybody else, but I didn't expect this to happen to me. Is that all right? Not this. I didn't expect this to happen to me. Not this. Not a divorce. Not me. Not a death. Not me. Not chemo. Not me. Not a diagnosis. Not me. Not a rejection. Not me. Not losing these accounts. I need them. They're key and critical to my business. I can't lose these accounts. Not me. Come on, take off the church mask for a minute and look into the eyes of three young men who feel like they're losing everything trying to do the right thing. Not that they would have wished it up on anybody else, but if God would have asked for some recommendations, you'd have been like, you know, Jesus, now that you mention it, I know a few people that's not even trying. I mean, we, we down here trying, but I know a few people that ain't, they ain't even trying, and they happy? Purposeful faith is a fireproof faith because you fight fire with fire. Fire can't consume fire. So when the fire and trials of life run into a purposeful faith, it runs to a faith that is already on fire. Listen to this, church. And purposeful faith does not allow disappointment from what didn't happen in the past to stop you from believing what can happen in the future. You want to know what purposeful faith is? You sitting in purposeful faith. You missed it. You sitting in a stubborn faith that wouldn't take no for an answer. You're sitting in a stubborn faith that when they said close down a God that says my God is able to bring the vision to pass. And there's some people in this room that wouldn't be where we are today without some purposeful faith in our lives. And we need to pause and remember how far we've come. Listen, because there are some people in our lives that are saying I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to get mine, but I need you to live yours so I can still get mine. And we need to remember.
power of this purpose and favor. The text says, King Nebuchadnezzar decides to put these three Hebrew boys in a fire, right? Let's see what happens now. He tells his workers to turn the furnace up. I want to make a point on these three boys. Seven times hotter than what it normally is, right? So the workers, as they're grabbing these young men and putting them into the fiery furnace, the text says that as they're putting them in, the Hebrew boys stay alive, but the workers get burned off. See, this is what purposeful faith will do. It'll allow you to survive with scorches others. Meaning you can have the same experience, but we don't need to have the same outcome. And some people in here need to pause for the cause of giving God praise because as we look back over our life, there are some things that you survived that scorched others. And you want me to come to Warehouse Church and be quiet? I can't do that. I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be alive. I need to look back on my life that God brought me out and God made a way and I'm still alive and I'm serving. I want to get involved. That's purposeful faith. There's purposeful faith that the church is still going and the numbers that Nick threw on the screen over a million in giving and the amount of people that are going to enter heaven because a warehouse church is thumbprint around the world. That's purposeful faith. But I found this interesting. They throw these three boys into the fiery furnace, but the text says they do it a certain way. It says they throw these men, now this is chapter 3, verse 23, firmly tied into the fire, firmly tied so they're bound into the blazing furnace. Y'all see that? Listen, the Bible says that, but in verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he said, I must be tripping. I'm bugging. And he had to ask, wait a minute, weren't there three men tied up, thrown into the furnace? And his workers said, well, certainly, your majesty. Well, he says, well, look, don't miss this. I see four men unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. Now listen to this. The fourth looks like the Son of God. This is what we call in theological circles a Christophany. It is a premature manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament before the fulfillment of his manifestation in the New Testament. It didn't just look like the Son of God. It really was Jesus standing in a fire. We talk about purposeful faith. Listen, we talk about the times that we got to wait on God. Purposeful faith will make Jesus come early. And these men are in the fire, and this is a Christophany. Jesus is really there. But here's the point. I want you to get this. So we have this evil pagan, unbelieving king who's looking down a fire of these three young men who were thinking this is it, living some purposeful faith. And at the lowest moment of these boys' life, because they are being faithful to the king, God, the king Nebuchadnezzar, is able to look into the fire and at an instant recognize someone who he doesn't believe in, recognize someone who's never walked the earth, can look into the fire and say, that looks like Jesus. Now, I don't know, but may I suggest that this is for somebody that in the middle of our fire, that in the middle of when life happens, that may be the very moment those who we are trying to witness to will look upon our life and see us in a fire 
have I ever believed before, but I know now I'm looking at Jesus. I don't know if I had the faith before, but all I know is how you're living your life. I see Jesus, how we handle the fire. Now, parents, the youth pastor, this might make you uncomfortable, but we need to teach our kids how to handle the fire. Listen how to grow and mature in their faith. I know your kid's the best at kicking a soccer ball and shooting a basketball and throwing a football or in math class. But if we are leading our kids to grow and mature in Jesus and how to handle life, are we, are we doing it right? Are we doing it right? listen to this. I want you to see what happened when the Hebrew boys come out. The king tells them boys to come out, please. Right? Get them out of there. They went into the fire bound. But the fourth one, Jesus, got in there. And before he delivered them out of the fire, he loosed them in it. Because some of us are in the fire. get loose in it before God delivers you out of it. And the same king who threw them in is the same king that said, get them out. Because purposeful faith will make your enemies eat their words. You don't even got to bother that. And here's my whole point, and I'm done. I want you to look at what King Nebuchadnezzar says when the Hebrew boys come out. The first thing he says is praise be the God. You see that? Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we have this pagan, unbelieving king who is now saying there's no other God that can save like their God. And he issues a decree throughout the entire country Nobody can speak negatively about this God. God was using their story of these three boys the entire time to turn the heart of this king in the direction of their God. Here it is. I want to Bring this back to purpose. Let's make a loop all the way back to the beginning. What if I told you we don't know what the Hebrew boys' skills were? They're not in the Bible because of skill. Because whenever we think of purpose, most of the time, we just think about God using our skills. You don't even need faith to use skill. You can sing and be bitter. My wife's a good cook. She get mad at me. Let me just cook this up real quick before you throw it in. You can cook for someone. Purpose is not just about God using your skill. Listen, church. Purpose is about God using your story. 
When we use our skill, God says, you know what, that's awesome. High five, tap on the back, fist bump, come on. But when I use your story, there's fire involved. And if we don't learn how to handle the fire, See, the Bible is pretty clear on who we are and what our role is on this earth. That Paul tells us that we don't conform to the world. There's a scripture, there's a part of the Bible in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, Paul's writing, and he's writing in jail, and he says, I am eagerly awaiting my sonship. I'm eagerly waiting to get my fruit on the other side of what I'm going through. He's writing this, and he's in jail, and eagerly waiting is what we, in the English words, use, but in the Hebrew language, we couldn't, they couldn't translate it. it it refers to these words, Apa Kara Dokia. Apa, I am not looking back anymore. I'm not fixed on what my situation is. I'm going to move forward. Kara, mind. I'm not going to focus on this. I'm not going to focus on the chains. I'm not going to focus on the jail. I'm going to change my mind because that's one thing Satan can't get. You can't have my imagination, devil. I'm not going to give you my mind. I'm not going to be focused on what was spoken over my life before. I got a new mind. Dokia, apokardokia, but I'm going to stretch forward to the fruit that God is producing to me on the other side of what I'm going through. You understand that we change our thinking. We can have focus on the frustration or we can focus on the fruit. We can focus on the pain or we can focus on our purpose. I could be petty or I could get praise. I'm going to change my thinking. I got a new mind. I'm going to focus on what I'm going through because God wants to use your purpose. We need to focus. God is telling us we need to change our mind. We don't conform to the patterns of the world. We think different. We're not better than, we're different from. We are thinking different. We don't conform to the same patterns. May I suggest to you that as the world wants to fight to get out of the fires, this might make you uncomfortable a little. As the world wants to fight to get out of the fires, as the world wants to fight to get out of the mud, as the world wants to live for the vacation and the good times, yes, those are good, don't hear me wrong, but may I suggest to you that as a follower of Jesus and his principles, the fire is when we as Christians should come alive. That the fire is when we do our best work. That in the fire is where we are matured. That in the fire is where we are molded. That in the fire is where God is pruning us of everything that doesn't look like heaven. In the fire is where hope springs forth and looks like faith and smells like resurrection. We as Christians and a church should be built for the fire. When life happens. You know, and as I, as I pray and take my seat, you guys can bow your heads. God, I just want to say one more thing as your eyes are closed. The fire, life. Now we can walk with God in two ways. You can have facelifts can have a heart transplant. You can act like you got purposeful faith. You can act like what you got is real. You can act like it, or you can have a heart transplant and say, God, I can't get purposeful faith until I give you this disappointment. Because God will not heal what we don't reveal. God cannot consume what we don't put on the altar. 
God is saying, you've been carrying something way too long that belongs to me. The disappointments from a no, from the prayers of a, of a diagnosis that, that did not return results the way you'd hoped. The hurt of having to bury someone you never thought you'd have to bury. Jesus, the heart healer, he wants to come into your heart and say, give me that today because you're at a pivot season. You don't got time here to work this out through four years in therapy. You need the great physician to come into your heart today and say, give me that so I can give you purposeful faith so you can believe again. I just want to pray for you today, church. I just want to pray for you. God, thank you for what you're doing in this church, for this family here. That tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, God, we live out a purposeful faith. And that you use us beyond measure. When we lift up the name of Jesus, you will draw people to yourself. Help us walk through the fire.